The Red Letters, um, we, we kicked it off uh, this month, and uh, God's been doing some great things, and I believe and, and, and I'm praying tonight that God would continue the good work uh, that he's begun, because he, he's doing a good work through this series. And uh, I want to open up with uh, the series verse, if we could read that, and, uh, and we're going to prepare to just dive into this. So uh, the Bible says this in John 14.10, and this is the, the overall, uh, overall scripture that we're, we're standing on for this entire month. And the Bible says this, John 14.10, Do uh, don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? Jesus asks, the words I speak are not my own. But my Father who lives in me does his work through me. So God's moving, and we pray that God would uh, continue to move through this series. Uh, Brother Manny opened up uh, with his, his message on If You Love Me. And then Pastor Bob last week ministered a powerful message on uh, Whose Fault Was It? And today uh, we're blessed because we're going to dive into the topic of prayer. Uh, prayer in God's word, prayer, uh, we're going to look in his word and see what God's word says about prayer. And this is uh, such a universal topic, something that, that each and every one of us can do more of. Can you say amen? Isn't that right? I know I can pray more, I know I should pray more, and I know each and every one of us in this place can pray more, should pray more, needs to pray more. And that's even for for you that, that are on top of your, your, your prayer game and, and your faithfulness, and praise God for that. But we can all pray more. There should be more growth in our life in the area of prayer. So I pray tonight that the Holy Spirit would challenge us. And we, come, we come to the house of God. Why? So that God could continue to work in our hearts, so that we could be changed, so that what? We could be more Christ-like. Can you say amen? So I pray tonight that, that the Holy Spirit challenges us, convicts us, Tonight, conviction is good, right? That he gets in there and, and he deals with these issues in our lives so that we see the importance of prayer. You know, I, I, I grew up, I did some growing up all here in Southern California. I uh, did some growing up there in the desert in the Palm Springs area, but did some growing up um, in, in my young years from second grade to like the beginning of high school in our local mountains in Big Bear, California. And um, it, was, it was a cool place to grow up and I remember that during the winter, it seems like back then we got a lot more snow, you know, much more snow, and it was a blessing to hear about, you know, the snow that, that took place um, uh, this year. But I remember uh, my brother, my older brother, Mike, and I, we got into a snowball fight, and we were going at it back and forth, right? So he was, you know, I, 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 had, I, had, I had gave it to him, and then I was, I was a younger brother, so I was running into the house because he was going to get me. And right when I turned back, he must have threw it a second before because it must have been airborne already. So because right when I turned around to see where he was, square in the face, that snowball gets me. And I remember it like it was yesterday. And talk about, uh, uh, I don't want to get too graphic, but, but, but red snow, bloody nose, all that good stuff. He tagged me. He hit me, he hit me square in the face tonight. I believe the Holy Spirit's going to hit us square in the heart when it comes to prayer. Amen. Amen. I remember also another memory growing up there in Big Bear. It, it, was, it was summertime, beautiful, beautiful weather in the summer, the summer up there. And I was walking down the street. I was, I was a young child, and I heard a rustling above me. And I didn't pay, I didn't pay no attention to it, and I, and I kept walking. 
square on top of my head a pine cone falls from on top of the tree. Square in the head, out of the blue. And tonight, I pray that the Holy Spirit would hit a square in the heart regarding prayer so that we could be better, we could be more Christ-like, so that we could see more change in our life. How many need some changes in their lives and their hearts? We all do. And I believe this topic tonight is something that we all need to, to, to invest in our lives and take seriously. Prayer is so important. Tonight's message is entitled, Teach Us to Pray. And we're going to read uh, out of Luke chapter 11 in just a moment, so if you have that. But I want to I read this excerpt from uh, E.M. Bounds, was the author who lived there in the, in the 1800s and, and died in the early 1900s. But he was an author. He wrote a book on prayer. And I want to share this, this excerpt that he, he uh, mentioned here, and it's powerful regarding prayer. He said, The prayers of God's saints are the capital stock in heaven, by which Christ carries on his great work upon the earth. Great throes and mighty convulsions in the world have come about as a result of these prayers. The earth is changed, revolutionized. Angels move on more powerful, more rapid wings, and God's policy is shaped when the prayers of his people are more numerous and more efficient. Such an important topic this evening that we would all learn how to pray, how the Lord wants us to pray. So as we look here in our text for this evening, Luke chapter 11, verse 1, the Bible says this. We're going to read this and then we're going to pray that God would have his way tonight. Luke 11, uh, verse 1. Now it came to pass, as he was praying in a certain place, when he ceased, that one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. As John also taught his disciples in verse 2. So he said to them, when you pray, say, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us day by day our daily bread. And forgive us our sins. For we also forgive everyone who is indebted to us. And do not lead us into temptation but deliver us from the evil one. Praise God. If you would bow your head with me tonight as we pray. Lord, we're so grateful this evening, my God, to be here in your presence, Father God. We thank you, Lord, for your presence, God. We thank you, Lord, for liberty. We thank you for freedom, God. We thank you for salvation, Lord. Father, I pray tonight that you would move, Father God, that you would have your way in this place, in each and every one of our hearts, Father God, that we would walk out of here changed, Father God, that we would walk out of here knowing how you view and how you see prayer, how important it is, Father God. And Lord, if we've ever cast it to the side or if we've, we've ever belittled it of least importance in our lives, Father, I pray that you would forgive us and that you would change us. Help us to, to know, Father God, that it's through prayer that things change. That it's through prayer, Father God, that we change, Father God. And I pray that you would help us this evening. Have your way, Father God. Just pray for your anointing, my God. Less of me, all of you, Father God. We thank you. We thank you. We ask in Jesus' name. And God's people say, amen. amen. Praise God. So in our text here in Luke chapter 11, verse 1 through 4, we see Jesus' blueprint of prayer. Now, prayer in our lives should be as necessary to the believer as air is to our lungs. Can you say amen? 
It should be something that each and every day we invest time in and that we do. It should be second nature to you and I. It should be something as of muscle memory, something that we do automatically in our lives, in our mornings, throughout the day. Prayer is something so vital. It was prayer through faith that saved us. Can you say amen? And it's continued prayer that will keep us. So here in our passage, the disciple asks Jesus, Lord, teach us to pray. What a beautiful question. What a beautiful inquiry there from the disciples. So here we see Jesus' response. And what we have to understand is that the Lord in his response was giving us a blueprint of prayer. A rule or a model by which one goes to pray, as one commentator said. So here we're, we're taught that this passage here is a model of how we should pray. There are several elements that we could pull from in this passage to help us understand how the Lord wants us to pray. Now God doesn't want us to just to get repetition and then just to do it mechanically without any heart or without our soul or without our heart involved. But no, this is a model for us to understand and know how we should pray. And we could dissect this passage as it's an unsearchable treasure here in the word of God. It should be our desire, and we're gonna, we're gonna dive into it in a second, but it should be our desire that God would teach us how to pray. How many know, wanna know the right way to pray? Right? If there is the right way to pray, then, then there could be the wrong things and the wrong elements of prayer in our lives, and we're gonna look at that tonight. We should ask for the Holy Spirit to teach us how he wants us to pray. Perhaps in our lives, prayer has just become a, a time just to ask for things, right? Just asking for things, that's it. If that is all that your prayer life and my prayer life is about, then we're shortchanging ourselves. God, give me this, I need this, I need this. And there's a time for us to, to, to lay our petitions before God, our needs. God wants us to do that. There's a time for that. But it doesn't stop there. There's more than that. And this is an example of where we can grow in our prayer. Shouldn't be, just be limited to, God, I need this, I want this, do this for me, for me, for me. Because he doesn't want us to shortchange ourselves. In prayer, there's a time of thanksgiving. Can you say amen? Without asking for anything, just thanking God, God, I thank you. I thank you for what you're doing. There's a time of worship. There's a time of, of letting the Lord examine our hearts. There's a time of intercession for others. There's a time of declaring God's promises over our lives and over the lives of others, etc., etc., and so on. Can you say amen? There's so many elements of prayer, and as we look here at Jesus' response, he says, when you pray, say, our Father in heaven. So if, if we're going to quickly dissect this, and we could spend all night, we could spend days and hours and months and years on this, but if we look through this, our Father in heaven, what does that show us that, that our Father is in heaven? He is our Father. He's our loving Father who loves us, who desires that we would come to him as his children. Parents, grandparents, guardians, you understand the importance of that, that those that you have responsibility over, that they would come to you as, as your parent, as, as their father, as their mother. Holy is your name, your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We should, we should always pray that the kingdom of God would be established wherever we're at, in our lives, in our homes, in our workplaces, in our careers, in, in, in our relationships. Lord, establish your presence. Lord, be involved. Let it not be my will or my kingdom or what I want. Lord, let your kingdom be here in this situation. 
Yes, even in this tragedy, Lord, establish your kingdom here, God. Move, accomplish your will. Let it be done on earth as it is in heaven. God's will is done perfectly in heaven. 100% perfectly. Now here on earth, there's opposition. There's opposing forces. There's the enemy who's always trying to oppose what God wants to do here on earth. So we pray that God's kingdom would be established in our lives. Give us today, give us day by day our daily bread. We understand and that shows us that, that God's the one that provides for us, that we need him to provide for us. Lord, give us our daily bread. Give us your word. You know, this goes into the material. God, give us what we need each and every day. We understand that it's God that meets our needs. And it talks about the heart in verse four and forgive us our sins. We're just kind of just, just, just glancing over it because it's so deep, but forgive us our sins. This is an issue of the heart. Lord, forgive me if I've done wrong. Forgive me my sins. As we forgive everyone who is indebted to us, that's the relationship with, with those around us. God, how, as you forgive me, help me to keep relationship. Help me to forgive, God. And don't lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. God, keep our foot from temptation, Lord. Let us not even enter or entertain that, God. Let us seek after righteousness. So we can dive into this. And these are some of the elements that, that we look at as the Lord gives us a blueprint of prayer. So as we look at the scripture in your notes, just understand that God's given us, giving us a model of how we should pray. There should be a time of worship. There should be a time of, of intercession. There should be a time of thanksgiving. There should be a time of just glorifying God for who he is, despite who you and I are, despite what we have going on in our lives. God, I thank you. I worship you, God. You're, you're, you're beautiful, Father. God, I thank you for providing, and we worship him. Thank you, Jesus. Prayer, it's vital. And he gives us a blueprint here in this passage. And then we look at the fact that Jesus knew the importance of prayer. In so many instances there in the Gospels, we find that the Lord is praying, that he's off praying, okay? He's, 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 he's find a place of solitude. He's able to, for a time, to, to, to be able to get away from the crowds and seek his Father in prayer. He knew the importance of prayer. Why? I want to look at two reasons real quickly. One, because he understood it was important for him to have fellowship with his father, first and foremost. And secondly, he set an example for you and I. See, we knew and we know that prayer is important to Jesus. Why? Because he was doing it. Simple as that. He was off praying whenever he could. I have uh, someone that I work with there, there in my job that I've worked with for many years, and uh, this, this gentleman has a, an older model uh, SUV. And I'll tell you that, but that looking at this vehicle, uh, other than if just you know the body style and you know the vehicle, you can't tell that it is a vehicle from before the 2000s. This gentleman just keeps this, this car in immaculate condition. It's always shining. It's, it's always, you know, the chrome is always polished. The paint is always waxed. Whenever it has uh, service issues, he always takes it to the dealership, right? He doesn't just go to the corner. He invests money into this vehicle to always keep it clean, to keep it pristine, to keep it serviced. Why? Because it's important to him. And how do I know? Because it's evident in his actions. He doesn't just talk about his car, but he takes care of it. And you and I, we could, we could 
possibly boast about the importance of prayer and how, how important we see prayer and how important prayer is to our lives. But if you look and we take account in our hearts of how much we pray, or on the contrary, how little we pray. Yes, yeah, someone asks you, you may say, yeah, it's important. It's a, it's a most important thing. But how much do you pray? How much do I pray? If you're seeking God for direction, is he the first one that we go to or do you pick up the phone or send that text or look at WebMD or Google it? Is prayer a second or third or fourth option for you or is it the first thing that you run to? See, Jesus knew the importance of prayer and we know that because he was always praying. You and I, throughout our day, should be in a constant state of prayer. The Bible says to pray always. In Mark 135, one example, before daybreak the next morning, Jesus got up and went out to an isolated place to pray. Before daybreak, man, before the rooster, before the sun would even come out, he, he went out there to pray the next morning. I bet he was tired. I bet perhaps he was famished. Perhaps maybe physically he was thinking about what he's going to eat or if he was thinking about breakfast. But he put that all off to the side. And before daybreak, the next morning, he got up and he went out to an isolated place to pray. This is Jesus, the Messiah, our Savior, the Son of God. But he went out to pray. How much more should you and I, brother and sister. See, this marks someone who sees prayer as important. Other instances, if you're taking notes, Luke 3.21, Jesus prayed when he was baptized. Luke 5.16, he withdrew to the wilderness to pray. Luke 9.28 through 29, he went out to a mountain to pray. Luke 11.1 in our text, he was praying in a certain place. And even in the Old Testament, prophetically, Psalms 109, verse 4, he gave himself to prayer. Jesus was always praying. What is said about you and I? I bet if we physically walked with Jesus, we were one of the disciples, that would be one of the, the, the characteristics that we would attribute to him out of the millions of other pure characteristics is that he was a man of prayer. What is said about you and I? And let the Holy Spirit work. So, as I said, square, square in the nose, square in the heart. Let the Holy Spirit reveal these things. We get so busy, each and every one of us, starting with me. We're busy with work, with family. If you have, if you have little ones, with, with, with being there for them as God calls us to be there for them, investing time in them. If being a husband, investing time there and being that husband, all these things, as busy as we are, we should pray that much more. Can you say amen? Jesus knew the importance of prayer. And we have to look at our heart and the posture of our spirit when it comes to prayer. How do we enter the holy of holies? How do we enter before the throne our lives? What is the condition of our heart? Importantly, we have to have humility. Humility working in our lives. See, when 
we look at our text in Luke chapter 11. When we come to him, we have to come to him as our father. He is our father. He's the one that provides for us. He's the one that desires to give us wisdom from on high. He's the one that knows best. He's the one that is strong. He's the one that will protect us. And perhaps you've been through so many things in your life and the issues we have in life, and perhaps you've learned to rely on your own ability, on your own strength, on your own wisdom, on your own wit. But we have to be humble before the Lord and rely on him. And that's where strength comes. Can you say amen? That's where power comes. Less of us, none of us, more of him in our lives. We have to be emptied out of ourselves so that he can fill us. We have to be and have a state of humility in our lives. This subtopic of humility has to impact our hearts. He is our Father, so we have to be confident that He wants us to come to Him. Again, there's so many other places we can run, so many other places we go to get answers, to get provision, to get all these things, but we have to run to Him in prayer. We have to rely on Him. It should be with reverence that we come into His presence with humility. We remember the Beatitudes, right? Matthew chapter 5, verse 3, the Bible says God blesses those who are poor and realize their need for him. For the kingdom of heaven is theirs. God blesses those who are poor and realize their need for him. Another translation says, those who are poor in spirit. Again, none of us, all of God. See, as we pour ourselves out, our will, our desires, our pride, our selfishness, our ego, all the things about self, as we, as we are able to, to pour those things out, we become a vessel, and we are a vessel so that the Lord can fill us, and that's where breakthrough happens, church. You've been praying for breakthrough. You've been praying for God to do something new in your life. How is it, and how is your life in the area of humility? Are you filled with self? Are you seeking to fulfill the desires of self, what feels good to you and what you think is right? Or are you seeking God's way? It makes all the difference. Humility is something that we have to always let work in our lives. See, when we come to God with a humble attitude and humility, our spirit is looking up to him for our, our sustaining power, for, for our provision. We're looking up as we, as, we, as we rid ourselves of what we can do and who we are, and we look to him, he's gonna fill us up. Why? Because we're looking up to him. But when we have pride, we're just looking inwardly. We're looking at ourselves. We're relying on ourselves, what we can do. We have to rely on Him. We have to be humble and rid ourselves of the pride that separates us. Throughout the span of history, mankind has made an effort to lift themselves up with pride. Do we remember the story in, in, in Bible study, right? In, in the Tower of Babel, we've heard that story. In Genesis 11 4. We understand the story where the people uh, got together and they were, they were building this tower and they said, let, let us build it to the heavens. And look what they said, Genesis 11:4. 4. Uh, Come, let us build a great city for ourselves with a tower that reaches into the sky. Talking about pride. This will make us famous and keep us from being scattered all over the world. See what's happening there? It's man's ego 
Let us build this great city for ourselves with a tower that reaches into the sky. This will make us famous and keep us from being scattered all over the world. It was pride. It was an issue of pride, and we see how, we see how God came down and scattered them. What about Lucifer? The pride that the beautiful angel at one time Lucifer was there, walked among God, was, was there worshiping God. In Isaiah 14, 13, listen to what he said, he said about himself as pride was found in his heart. He said, I will ascend to heaven and set my throne above God's stars. I will preside on the mountain of God's far away in the north. See, Satan was, was, was a leader. He was an archangel in heaven. Lucifer, but pride was found in his heart. And what was the result? He was cast down out of the presence of God. See, pride has no place, church. We should always be battling against this. We should always put pride in our lives in its place under our feet so that God can work in our lives so that we could come to him in humility. It's not easy sometimes, right? Is it easy for you to bite your tongue? Someone's verbally jabbing you, right? Someone, someone said something at you. Is, is, is it, you know how hard it is to bite your tongue, right? Some more than others in this place, man. Man, no one can, when, when you're on it, no one can quiet you down because you're, you're on a roll. No one's, they're not going to have the last word. Now, what is that? It's pride. i got to have the last word. They jab me, I'm going to jab them back, right? But let God have that perfect work in our life. To be humble, he'll bless it. See, we're blessed when we're humble in James 4, 6. The Bible says, but he gives more grace. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Man, oh man, I want God's grace in my life. I need God's grace in my life. With my hang-ups, with my shortcomings, with my failures, I need God's grace. So, so what's the key is for me to be humble? Not to look down on others because of their failures or shortcomings, because if I'm not careful, I'm right there. I'm no different. I'm human. I can fall just as easy. I should pray for them, help, help lift them up so we could both finish together, not look down on others. We're not better than others. We all need God. We all need his help. We're all trying to make it, right? We're all doing our best with God's help to finish this race, to finish this life the way God wants us to. He gives grace to the humble. Be humble. God will give you his grace. It's there for you when, when, when you trip up, when you fail, you come to him in, in humility, you ask for forgiveness, God will be there for you. His grace will be there for you. There's a passage in Luke chapter 18, verse 10. And this passage is about a tax collector who in society were looked down as the basis profession because they would, they would rob people. They would just take whatever they wanted. So we had the tax collector and then we had a religious man. And they both come before God, and here we get a powerful, intimate instance of how God sees this. In Luke 18, 10, the Bible says, two men went to the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee, and the other was a despised tax collector. IRS, right? Goodness. You don't want to get calls from them, right? So, so we, know, we know where they are, right? In verse 11, the Pharisee stood by himself and prayed this prayer. He said this, I thank I thank you, God, that I am not a sinner like everyone else. 
for I don't cheat, I don't sin, and I don't commit adultery. I am certainly not like that tax collector right there. He was pointing fingers. I fast twice a week, and I give you a tenth of my income. But listen, in verse 13, but the tax collector stood at a distance and dared not even lift his eyes to heaven as he prayed. Why did he stand at a distance far away? Because he was ashamed. He was ashamed at who he was. He was ashamed at what he, what he did. Instead, he beat his chest in sorrow, saying, Oh God, be merciful to me, for I am a sinner. I tell you, this sinner, this is the truth here, not the Pharisee returned home justified before God. That's what the Lord says. I'll read it one more time. This sinner, not the Pharisee, returned home justified before God. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Look at our prayer. Let's look at our prayer life. Look at the posture of our spirit and our heart as we, as we pray to the Lord. What about when, when you come into contact with someone that has failed, or perhaps someone that used to be here in, in, in this body of Christ right here, within these four walls, and when they step in, how do we treat them? Do we encourage them? Do we welcome them? Do we treat them as if they never left and we're so blessed to see them? Or do we want to play the role of the Holy Spirit and convict them and ask them questions like, where have you been? Why haven't you been here? God is so good to you. How could you do that to him? See, I want grace in my life. And I know if I was in their shoes and I was walking through those doors and God knows the battle that some folks have to weather and to get past to walk through those doors you and i we take it for granted and we're free thank you jesus we're free we come to the house of god and it's, and we're free praise god for that but let us never forget how we felt one time how we were like this tax collector and and we wanted to god was right here we wanted to run the other way because we felt ashamed welcome them esteem them as the father did with a prodigal son. He said, let's kill the fatted calf, they're back, let's party. He put a ring on, the, on, on their finger, he put a robe on them as a sign of royalty. Humility, church, we can never, ever forget that. Because when we're humble, we receive grace. And lastly, as we talked tonight about the blueprint that Jesus gives us regarding prayer, as we talked about Jesus knowing the importance of prayer and how we should see prayer as important and the importance of humility, humility. and lastly, lastly, the element of persistence in prayer. Persistence. Man, anyone, anyone with children or raising, raising young ones, you understand how, how persistence really, it really works, man. Goodness, it really works. And, and, and I just think of, of, of my youngest, you know, um, she's five years old, and, and boy, when she wants something, she will not stop asking for it. And it works. It works. Because I'm tired sometimes. I can only take so much. Like, all right. Listen to this passage here. It's just like this. Luke 18, verse 1. One day Jesus told his disciple a story to show that they should always pray and never give up. Talking about persistence. There was a judge in a certain city, and he said, he said, who neither feared God nor cared about people. So there was this judge who didn't fear God. He didn't care about anyone. In verse 3, a widow 
of that city came to him repeatedly, saying, give me justice in this dispute with my enemy. The judge ignored her for a while, just as a parent. We'll try to ignore that, that young child for a while, that grandparent or the guardian. You'll try to ignore them for a while, but they'll keep on knocking. They'll keep on asking. So it says, the judge ignored her for a while, but finally he said to himself, I don't fear God or I don't care about people, but this woman is driving me crazy. I'm going to see that she gets justice because she is wearing me out with her constant requests. At one time as a child, you were persistent. Boy, oh boy. Where did it go? And I look in the mirror and I have to ask myself, get that persistence back. Don't stop. You perhaps didn't get an answer to your prayer yet. What made you and I stop? Don't stop. Persistence. God is telling us to be persistent. Don't stop praying. Don't stop praying. Don't stop fighting. Don't stop contending. Don't stop coming to church. Don't stop reading your Bible. Don't stop coming and seeking me for that thing. For in due time, I'll accomplish it. In due time, it'll happen. But you and I, we have to be persistent. You got to keep on with it. If you don't see it happening so much, the more we have to be persistent. You know, as we, as we look in... Uh, Luke chapter 9, and, and you remember the instance where Jesus took a few of his disciples up to the mountain and they, and they prayed and is the transfiguration? You know, it said that when Jesus prayed, he was transfigured. When he prayed, he didn't just automatically become transfigured, but when he prayed. And we don't, we don't know how much time went by for that transfiguration to, to come to pass, but he was in prayer and I believe there are things in our lives that, 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 that we, there are hang-ups or things that we've been, we've been seeking God for to, to break or to remove our, out of our lives or things to change. I'll tell you, church, that it's going to happen through prayer. If we're praying for, for, for that transformation in our lives, it's going to come through prayer, through persistent prayer. If you're believing God for the salvation of your children, it's going to come through persistent prayer. If you're believing God to, to, to change those things in your, in your lives, to deliver you from those hang-ups, it's going to come through persistent prayer. We can never stop praying. As the Bible says, pray always. We're going to have to be persistent. As I close and as the worship team makes their way up, I was reading about the olive tree and the life of the olive tree and, and, and the seed of the olive. And I want to share this with you, and it's a beautiful picture about persistence. It says an olive tree can sometimes take five to eight years to produce fruit, and at times even longer. This means that the farmer has to give his time, his sweat, energy, and most importantly, his patience long before he gets to see any fruit from his labor. He must remain persistent in his work and trust that his persistence will pay off. He does not change his approach on a whim, but must remain consistent in his actions. Every day he rises early and tills the land. He plants the seeds. He waters them. He waits. The farmer continues to toil over it, even though the seed has shown no sign of emerging from the soil. Even after years of growth, still, the farmer does not reap a harvest. Yet, he does not question the soil, the sun, or the seed. 
he only persists. He only persists. And perhaps you're in this place and you've been believing God for some great things in your life and the months have been passing by and perhaps even the years have been passing by. What do we have left but to persist, church? There's no alternative. Yeah, you can quit, but that's, that's not an alternative. There should be no alternative for us. We should always persist in prayer. You see that seat next to you? God's gonna bring your loved one back. He's gonna bring your child back, your family back to sit next to you. He's gonna, he's gonna, he's gonna accomplish the work, but it's gonna be through our persistence. Tenacity, don't stop. So many lessons we can learn from children, isn't that true? And nothing more than their ability to get their way because they're persistent. And that should be a trait spiritually that we never lose, that we, we never re relinquish to the enemy. Persist. Seems like things are getting worse, persist. You've been praying for healing, it seems like you're feeling worse, persist. You've been praying for the salvation of your family, it seems like they're just going crazier and crazier, persist. You're praying for breakthrough in your, in your marriage, in your family, persist. Never stop. Because if we stop, we're definitely, definitely not gonna see it happen. But if we persist, what does the Bible tell us? You reap what you sow. It'll come to pass. So tonight, to recap all we talked about, we understand the blueprint that Jesus gave us of prayer. We have to always see prayer as the, uh, the utmost importance in our life and in our day as Jesus did. We have to keep a humble heart and we have to constantly persist, always persist. And I believe that what we've been praying for, the things that we have desired to see, is gonna come to pass. And I know you've seen God already do so many things in your life, so you know he can do it. There are those areas that are yet undone. Persist in those areas so that God can bring it to pass. Thank you, Jesus. With every head bowed, every eye closed tonight as we pray.